Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. We are here to preview the Bills' upcoming home opener against the Tennessee Titans, a Monday night football affair. Uh, these pesky little primetime games between the Bills and Titans, uh, its its always it always turns into some kind of a, a fun environment, and I'm sure uh, the the stands at Highmark Stadium and the uh, subsequent parking lots in and around Highmark Stadium for hours on end ahead of time will will be rocking as, uh, as the Bills are set to open up their home calendar. So, Matthew Fairburn, um, I, I usually ask you for your sage words of advice at the end, but I, I might, I might ask for, for your advice to those uh, heading out there, your fatherly advice heading out there ahead of the, the Bills Titans game, because uh, I, I think uh, Hootenanny and ruckus, those, those two words kind of come to mind when, when thinking about what those parking lots will look like. Yeah. You got to stay hydrated. Uh, whatever <laughs> form that takes for you, get your electrolytes. It's a long just like at the end of last week when we said it's a long season, Monday is going to be a long day. Luckily, the game starts at 7 o'clock. I feel like that could be that could be helpful. That extra hour and 20 minutes of, of tailgating that you might have got for an 8-20 game is cut off a little bit. Cut off a little bit early. Uh, you know, kids have the half day from school uh, in, the, in the South Towns in Orchard Park and, and Frontier, so... I don't know, but it's going to be it's going to be something that this is there's been some crazy atmospheres at that stadium over the years. But this feels like it'll be it'll be a little bit different. It's going to be a it's it's one of those long, long weekends of of sports here. You got the rookie camp for for the Sabres. They've got a little afternoon game and you can just jump on the Skyway and head down. I have a feeling most people won't be pulling the double header on this one. Yeah. <laughs> one thirty Sabres game probably will get out around three o'clock. I think most people attending the Bills game will be pretty tuned up by then, but but we'll see. One thirty uh might be halftime for the pregame. <laughs> for for some for Yeah, some there might be there. people already tuned up by the time the puck drops on that on that Sabres game. So Yeah. Uh Unless they're taking our advice here and and pacing themselves, you know, mixing in some waters, some Gatorades, eating plenty of food. I don't know what the weather is supposed to be like, but wear your sunscreen just in case. And uh, luckily, it's not a cold, cold weather game. I mean, this is just perfect. It's it's the early Monday night kick, a nice, comfortable seven o'clock start in September in Western New York, which is just prime weather and a great you know, the, the Bills are riding high off of that Thursday night win against the Rams, heading into a matchup against what I would consider a, a little bit of a rival. Uh, you know, they've lost yeah. a couple of games to these Titans over the last couple of years. Weird games. Dramatically, might I add. Yeah, weird games. Like, you know, they had that weird COVID week against the Titans. You know, the game got moved around and then they got beat handily. Uh, but odd circumstances, so you didn't know what to make of it. And then last year, the dramatic finish, Vrabel always seems to have his guys ready to go for these big games. You know it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a physical matchup. It's just, it feels like a bit of a rivalry. Obviously, you got Bill's Chiefs as, as the two you know teams that reign supreme in the AFC and, and have developed a little bit of a, a rivalry, but in terms of legitimate bad blood of sorts it feels like there's some of that in this titans bills matchup 
So it's it's really yeah. you've got that, you've got all the the hype surrounding the Bills, you've got Monday night, you've got you know hopefully good weather. It's really a a perfect storm for shenanigans on on Monday for Bills fans. Oh, no doubt. Uh, I am expecting, or I will be getting to the stadium early, and I am expecting a uh, a pretty voluminous crowd already at that point. Um, but the Titans discussion, we'll we'll get in, get into them maybe later on in the episode, and and the challenges that and and how they looked in the first week, and and what they could present the bills we'll 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 jump into the, that a little bit but almost wanted to take a, a a bigger picture approach to the first part of the show just because when the bills played when they did last week which was on on Thursday night it gave everyone a great chance to kind of see what the rest of the AFC would look like and some surprises were in there like uh the the Patriots handily getting beaten by the Dolphins, um, the uh, the Broncos losing at Seattle, a team that everybody thought was going to be a dog, uh, the Steelers um, beating the Bengals in overtime, the Texans somehow forcing a tie with the Colts, um, and and you know just there there were some surprises out there about about what it looked like so. Maybe wanted to look at things from a scope of okay, how does the AFC look like now, one week in, as opposed to what it looked like coming into the season? Because it was definitely a a a daunting look. It the AFC looked like just based on all the talent that was added at quarterback to certain defenses, like the pass rush efforts of, of some of these teams it really seemed like the AFC could become a bit of a gauntlet. But, um, and, and we also have to be careful that uh, that we don't overrate the first week because, of course, the Bills lost to the Steelers in week one last year and, and the Bills were uh, Super Bowl contenders yet again la- last season by the time that they, they got everything going for themselves. So I guess it's just a kind of a look like what what caught your eye is what was surprising who might have looked better than you thought they did who might have looked worse than you thought they did um and and kind of going from there I I feel like we we have to begin with the the team that has well they played last night we're recording this on Friday morning the team that has been the gatekeeper uh (laughs) of uh, the Bills playoff hunt the last couple of seasons the Kansas City Chiefs just seems like they're, you know, they, they lost Tyreek Hill, but it seems like they're just back again. And it, it the, I guess the, the overall demise of the chiefs that was predicted for this year, or maybe just a tiny step back might've been greatly exaggerated because they went out, they just gassed the Cardinals. And then last night, it wasn't a perfect game for them, but they got the job done to beat a really good Chargers team at home. And th- that's a that's a team and a place that they've struggled in to, to beat the Chargers. Justin Herbert has done pretty well against Patrick Mahomes and the, the Chiefs uh, so far early into his career at Arrowhead Stadium. So I guess the Chiefs being what they are um, sets this whole conversation up as to, okay, where do the where do the bills rank in relation to the the chiefs on down? Yeah, I feel like the chiefs and bills are kind of in the top tier right now of the AFC. And you could make an argument that the chargers are maybe at the bottom of that first tier or at the top of that second tier. And I think given the chargers lack of postseason success and experience, you probably put them maybe at the top of that second tier until proven otherwise, but they do have those three quarterbacks stand out. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert are the types of quarterbacks that are going to give your team a chance to win every single week. And Justin Herbert was you know, banged up on Thursday night against the Chiefs, but still just, you know, obviously an incredible talent and, you know, is really – you know, becoming one of those top quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, you probably, you know, 
can put in that category as well, given what he proved in the playoffs last year. But yeah, it almost seems like people got a little bit bored of the Chiefs, right? Everybody else was Mm -hmm. making moves and the Chiefs have just been this team year after year because of Patrick Mahomes and, and the talent that they had. Nobody really knew what to expect with them losing Tyree Kill, but it seems to have, you know, been pretty much fine so far through two weeks. I think Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid is still Andy Reid, and that's what makes them a tough out. I think at this point, you know, we could spend all year going back and forth, who's better, the Bills or the Chiefs. You're not going to find out in the regular season, even when they play against each other. You're going to find out in the postseason. Do the Bills have enough to get past them? On paper, absolutely, they do. Uh, you know, they've shown that they can beat them as they did uh, last year, but when it all counts, you know, when it matters in the postseason, that's when we're really going to find out. I think you saw with the pass rush, if it's clicking the way that it, that it was against the Rams, that is the difference maker that gives them an, an opportunity to beat the Chiefs, but it is quite clear that it is not going to be an easy out that in March when all the moves were made and everybody was talking about how much of a gauntlet the AFC would be and that the AFC West would be impossible and you know people were getting excited by star players moving around the two teams that are still at the top until proven otherwise are the Bills and the Chiefs and I know the Bengals were actually the team that made it to the Super Bowl I don't think Mm -hmm. it's it's wise to to overlook them. Tough first week for Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, weird ending to that game. They probably should have gotten out of there with a win. But a lot of turnovers from Burrow, shaking off some rust from missing a lot of time in camp in the preseason. You don't want to overreact to week one in the rest of the conference. But so far, nobody else besides the Bills and the Chiefs has you know, announced themselves as worthy of that top tier. I think it's a very crowded second tier, and there could mm-hmm. be some teams that that pop out from there. But right now, it still feels like Bills, Chiefs, and it, maybe for the entire league, right? I mean, I think that's a lot of people are landing on those as the one-two of the, of power rankings this week. Yeah, the the Packers certainly did not look great. The um, the Rams obviously did not look great uh and on the other side the Buccaneers they won 19 to 3 but didn't they're I guess they didn't really put together the the drive after drive stuff that we grew accustomed to them from a from a Tom Brady team they they beat the Cowboys soundly but that was a a 19 to 3 win so yeah there there's I think the the Eagles belong in a in a discussion for NFC potential uh teams that you know, could have some, a little bit of, a little piece of a, a Super Bowl run in them, but you know, it's, it's early yet, but from the, from an AFC perspective, yeah, the, the Chiefs have looked really stinking good. Um, their offensive line is, is quite good uh, from, from what it used to be. They completely revamped that thing and um, they've just got a lot of different pieces to, attack in multiple ways now as opposed to I don't want to say they were predictable at all but almost their entire offense went through Travis Kelsey and um and uh Tyreek Hill and now they're getting Clyde Edwards Alaire a lot more involved he's had a couple of really good games uh back to back um Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't like taken off just yet but you have to think that that he's going to be a a clever target underneath once um, once teams start to drift back into that too high look as as they always tend to do against Mahomes and the Chiefs. There, I, I feel like a lot of their off season, a lot of the off season stuff that they did was to capably counteract um, the way that teams play against them and to have the depth of players to you know still remain afloat and not going go through these these tough times of of where their offense really isn't clicking like it like it normally does it just gives them a, a lot of different options and you know they're I, I think I think they know what what they were doing and by you know taking a, a step back in top end talent I think they almost kind of made themselves into a, a more dynamic team um you know 
tough to replace Tyreek Hill as a talent, no doubt. Like you're you're gonna have a drop off from him when when your uh, your other deep threat is Marquez Valdez Scantling, but um, but I do think that they have enough in the interim to you know kind of kind of stay afloat and be a factor. Uh, the other team that stands out to me as as one that I think they're not even playing their best football yet, and I think they can they can get there because you know they've gone through a lot of injuries and they they're gonna have some guys coming back the Ravens to me. And it's tough to like say, Oh, the Ravens, they really made a statement in week one. Cause they beat the jets. Um, and the jets are still flawed. They still don't have a quarterback. They've got Joe Flacco kicking around as their quarterback. Not um, the same old jets, according to Robert no, Salah. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what he says. That's what he's saying. But they... I, I think, I think he's right to a certain degree, but you're you're gonna you're not gonna win many games unless you have a quarterback situation better than than Joe Flacco, <laughs> I guess. But the Ravens, to me, they're ones to kind of keep an eye on. It like with with the Chargers right at the top of that, maybe second tier. I might even put the the Ravens um, into the into the first tier just because of how dominant they can be defensively. I think they're they're the way that they structure their offense is unique Lamar's extra motivated this year because um obviously the contract year and you know he's had he's had some uh some naysayers for him um as to where he fits into the landscape of top quarterbacks in the NFL so I'd I'd keep an eye on the on those Ravens too they they have always this offseason they've just been They've stuck in my brain as someone like, oh, that's that's gonna that's gonna be a really tough out in the postseason in the regular season, and uh, and yeah, th- those the Ravens, I I feel like the Ravens have almost like taken the place for me of like what people thought the Broncos would be, and you don't want to overreact to the Broncos because weird game by and and a lot of wonky decisions um throughout the game but uh I, I do think that that the ravens are are right in that mix of of teams that could potentially give the bills trouble because they've always given the bills a tight game you know you you go back to the playoffs a, a couple of years ago in 2020 you know it was a low scoring affair even though the bills were a a, a high powered passing attack and even before that, in regular season matchups, those two teams have always played tough. Um, so, the, and and the Bills have to basically reformat their defense just to play Lamar Jackson and, and the Ravens. So, uh, I, I think the Ravens are are ones to keep an eye on here. Yeah, the Ravens are probably another team that people, to an extent, got bored of, right? Because mm-hmm. they've been around. They haven't gotten it done in the playoffs, which has been, you know, probably the one thing you can say about Lamar Jackson is that he hasn't had that postseason success. But as we know, that doesn't mean the light won't come on, that that experience won't help them when they get there this year. And I think the thing about the Ravens is that they can make games ugly with their defense and there's a lot yet to learn about this Bills team. You know, they had a great week one against a really good Rams team. They look amazing uh, on both sides of the ball. But over the course of the year, we're going to get to see them play in a lot of different types of games. And I think the type of game that the Ravens can turn it into creates a little bit of uh, of weirdness, uh, you know, that could present itself in the postseason. So, they are not a team to overlook by any means. I do think the Bills can handle Lamar Jackson, uh, as they've shown in the past, but they're just a different team that that can present a tough matchup. They have to prove that they can do it in the playoffs. I think what stands out about the AFC after week one is that there's just such a big bucket of teams in that mm-hmm. that you you didn't get a ton of answers to. Um you have the Ravens, you have the Chargers, you have the Raiders, you have the Colts, you have the Broncos, and then you have teams like the Titans and the Steelers that are probably a notch below, and you've got the Patriots and the Dolphins I might put in that bucket as well, and 
the Bengals are, are in that second tier too. You mentioned the Ravens as one that, that stands out as probably a legitimate threat to, to enter that first tier and maybe, you know, be the, the front runners of the second tier, whichever argument you want to make, which of the teams that I just rattled off as, as a potential tier two type of AFC team, are you not buying? Are you thinking not, not of a concern to the bills after what you saw in week one? Um, or less of one than maybe you thought heading into the season. Probably. I would almost have to say the Broncos, right? I mean, it just feels like they've got they're they're just in a bit of a transition um right now. And again, it's the not overreacting to week 1, but I I do think that they're trying to feel their way through what they're going to look like this year. I mean, how they how they divvy up their their run to pass, how they uh, how Nathaniel Hackett wants to become a, an in-game decision maker. I think that's that's one of the things that really took a hit because that was that was a brutal end to the game for him. And and he, to his credit, he admitted the mistake, but that was that was a tough look. Um we know that they have a, a pretty good pass defense. We know uh that they've got a quarterback, but how can can this version of Russell Wilson get them to the same tier of of where the Bills, Chiefs, possibly Ravens, possibly Bengals are right now, and possibly Chargers as well. I I do have some questions about that. You know, he is obviously one of uh, you know in terms of longstanding career, one of the best to do it. But I I do have questions about what this Broncos team will be with him. The the weird one to me that I I've been wondering about all off season, what it would look like. And I think, I think you said uh, before we started recording that you basically watched this whole game, but the dolphins, I am fascinated by them, not only because of the new coach and kind of the new talent that they added to things, but how they chose to play like their pass rate over expectation was like right near the top of the league. If not, if not um, first, uh, under Mike McDaniel, uh, Tyreek Hill was getting targeted a bunch. Jalen Waddle chipped in with a with a huge run after the catch. Tua seemed uh, seemed like he was mostly accurate. Uh, I we're going to see in week two because they've got the Ravens um, on the road. Whether or not this Dolphins team is for real, or if maybe it was just kind of a a fluky week one against a Patriots team that uh, I don't know. I, I kind of get the feeling that the Patriots are might be in in the in the range of top 10 picks of, of the NFL draft next year. You don't want to say that about any Belichick team, but you, you kind of get that feeling uh, just based on the way things are going. But what, what do we make of the dolphins is I think the, the biggest question on my brain entering week two. I think we'll find out more, like you said, when they play the Ravens this week, the Patriots game, they look better than, than they have the, the weird thing about the Dolphins is they do so well against the Patriots and have over even recent years and they have been terrible against the Bills I feel like like the matchup Mm -hmm. has just been awful for them and so now it's a new coach and but you know some new players Waddles in his his second year Tyreek Hill uh, in his first year in the offense and you know they are a little bit more of a threat offensively but I think this Ravens game will be will be a, a better test. That they've matched up well against the Patriots. The Patriots have struggled in Miami going back to the Brady years. It's just an odd Belichick phenomenon. They even moved the entire operation down there for the week to try and cope with it and they still got blown out. Yeah, well, basically it was, blown out. It was an odd an odd game for them. The Patriots don't feel like as much of a threat as they were a year ago because I think the Bills have taken another step forward and the the Patriots have probably taken a bit of a step back. It mm-hmm. it's tough. It's week 1. You don't want to count, you know, if it was any other team, I think you would say there's a real chance it goes off the rails if it were a non-Belichick team. And there's always the Belichick factor and will he be able to keep it together? enough for them to be competitive 
I think so. I think they've got a decent defense. I think, you know, Mac Jones's health will be, you know, part of the question. If he's going to play through a, a back injury all year, that could be a problem. But, you know, they lost to the Dolphins week one last year. They looked pretty lousy in the first month of the season, and then things started to click. So, you know, you can't totally rule them out being a short-term, any-given-week type of threat. But long-term, as far as a team that's going to make a Super Bowl run, it, it's just really hard to picture it. The mm-hmm. Dolphins still have a lot to prove to get into that category. And they almost feel like, you know, until they show that, they can match up better with the Bills on a weekly basis. I'm not going to consider them much of a threat. Maybe that's a, a mistake. I'm sure that's not what the Bills are thinking. It's not like they're going to be like, well, we always kill these guys. So, uh, you know, no big deal when we play against them. But I think they're going to be able to be that team that's, you know, stays in the mix in the division longer longer than you think because they're going to be able to beat teams that they should beat. And, you know, that offense definitely has a little bit more sizzle to it than than it has in recent years. So we'll see how they do again against some better teams. They're one of those teams that is in that that big mix of teams where, you know, we still need to get a, a clearer picture of what they're going to be. But it's what makes the AFC, I think, a lot of fun this year is that maybe there's not as many teams as before the season we thought would be potential Super Bowl teams, threats to win the conference. But there's a lot of teams that are going to make for good matchups, you know, week to week, and that will be tough to beat. It's going to be hard to get through some of the schedules teams are playing to to come out the other side. And I think the Dolphins being decent uh, is is one of those things that makes everybody's schedule tougher, especially the Bills who have to play them twice. But I still like how the Bills match up against them, you know, big picture. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search the Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Now, the one team we haven't gotten into at all for, you know, just based on what they could be in the AFC is the team that they're going, to, the Bills will be up against this uh, this Monday night, the Titans. Um, bad loss uh, to begin the year. They, uh, it's, they, they lost to the Brian Dable slash Daniel Jones led New York Giants where Daniel Jones tried he he really did try to throw the game away um with that with that red zone pick the the one that Dable just absolutely <laughs> he lit into him on the sidelines uh he all red in the face uh, we we we've seen that that version of Dable from time to time over the years but uh but yeah it it was a great win for the Giants because no one really expected them to do it and then the Titans Obviously, this is a, a massive um, disappointment for them, especially coming off a year where they were the top seed. So heading into this week, I think uh, what um, the, the Titans to me are, are a very interesting team because while they you know exactly what they're going to do on from a week to week basis, they're they're going to run the ball until until the cows come home they'll um they'll hit you with play action and try to open things up uh in that respect they're going to force you to to bring multiple players down to the box to deal with their rushing game and then they're still going to get some uh get some players open down the field but the one thing that 
that has stood out to me about this about this Titans team and just based on not only last week and and watching the film from that game but even even their their playoff game last year and even what they were down the stretch is I this is going to this is going to sound weird and and one that you know people aren't used to used to hearing but Derrick Henry doesn't look the same to me. Um, not like, not like saying he's bad, but it just doesn't seem like he um, had that same explosiveness post injury and that same like take on the world mentality to him. Like he he still he still broke off a, a few good runs against the Giants. Don't don't get it wrong, but I feel like. What we've seen from the Titans in the past was what they could optim- optimally be in, in the the current structure of their personnel with, with the run game leading it. I think Henry has gotten a little bit worse. His efficiency, if you look at the, the advanced metrics, has, has gone down um, considerably to where he was uh, even before the injury last year and certainly two years ago. Uh, the offensive line has gotten worse. Um, they no longer have AJ Brown. This is a this is a team that I think is trending in the wrong direction. Even though they are super well coached and and still will probably have a good defense. Yeah, it almost feels like Derrick Henry is is taking some time to to rev up, right? Like he he just and maybe he doesn't have that same you know top end that he normally does, but. He didn't, you know, it definitely seemed like he was a little sluggish to start the season. And if that's the case, I don't think the Titans are, you know, I think they can operate with with other running backs. You know, their running game is really good as a whole. But Derrick Henry is just a, a, different, a different dude in that backfield. What he brought to that team at his best. Can he get back to that that best? It's possible. You know, um, it's one week, and you know, it certainly just looked like he was he was working through it for sure. The other thing, you know, missing those the two wide receivers they had last year with Julio Jones and AJ Brown made it, it makes it completely different when you're trying to play defense against these guys. No doubt, you know, it, it's AJ Brown is a guy that is hard to match up on one on one. And Julio Jones, even though he's not, you know, the Julio Jones in his prime, he is fast and, you know, definitely present. And he had a pretty good game against the Bills last year. Do they have receivers that I think can, you know, make this offense work most weeks? Yeah. You know, Kyle Phillips had a, a good week one. Traylon Burks has some ability, but he's a rookie. You know, both those guys are rookies. And, Robert Woods is coming off a major injury and is is getting up there in age. Most weeks, will the, that combination of players work okay? Yes. I think Ryan Tannehill is, you know, slightly above average as as a quarterback and, and does, uh, you know, keep things moving on schedule most of the time. He can, you know, still move around a little bit. But the offensive threats just aren't the same as they have been over the last couple of years. And that is the big thing in this matchup. It's why the bills are are heavily favored in this game. But I, I just don't, I think with the pass rush, the bills have, it, it's a different matchup than last week, but with the pass rush that the bills have, the Titans are going to need to, lean on the running game to neutralize it a bit. And the Bills were good against the run, against the Rams. Defending the run against the Titans, I think, is a little bit different. So that's what's what's cool about this matchup. Like I said, you know, we're gonna have a lot of different a lot of different types of games for the Bills over the course of the season to learn different things about them and see what their their makeup is heading into the postseason, which feels like a foregone conclusion at this point. And this type of game is a fun one because you get to see, okay, how do you match up against a team that you know is going to run the ball and is going to lean on that and is going to try to wear you out that way. They built a defensive line that is supposed to be able to handle this. And 
the odds makers think they will because they've got they're heavily favored and uh, you know people are are definitely down on the Titans and I think there are some legitimate reasons for for why they 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 are and and you know I think it's it's warranted. Yeah, um, you brought up Traylon Burks. He he popped a little bit in in his metrics. Uh, did not play a ton in that first week against the Giants, but. Only ran 13 routes, but he was targeted 38.5% of the time uh, on those on those 13 routes. Had had 30 yards after the catch. Um, his his uh, yards per route run was 4.23, which is awesome. Um, so I am very interested to see if and the guy that was in the game ahead of him, Nick Westbrook Akine, um, he ran 21 routes, targeted twice. Uh, target percentage of 9.5 and 0.62 yards per route run. I think it's only a matter of time before Burks gets in there ahead of Westbrook Akine. And I just, I, I would not be surprised if, if they, if they start to make Burks, even if he doesn't start the game, uh, he, they make him part of the, uh, the impact to, to their weekly offensive arsenal, because it just, it, they, they cannot exist within their current structure. They just, Robert Woods, you know what you're getting out of him. Not going to be overly explosive at this point in his career. Uh, they don't really have a great tight end. I mean, Austin Hooper is there. Jeff Swaim is another guy who's there. Like, there, there's not too much behind it. And Tannehill, I don't know. He, he, what he is right now just mystifies me. And I, th- I feel like we've kind of seen the the top end of what Tannehill could be in Tennessee. He it it, it he was not as decisive and um even when he dropped back to pass on those play action routes, he was not willing to throw into tight windows as often. There are a couple of throws every once and again. This is what he was this is what happened down the stretch in Miami when, you know, eventually they moved on from him. There would be one or two throws a game where it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? And the rest of it, it's kind of this risk averse action to where he's going to he's going to get the ball to where it needs to go if if there's a guy wide open. But if if you're asking him to force the issue, it's just not going to happen. And I, the Titans strike me as a team that are going to go well below expectations of what they thought they should have been. And, you know, I, I had been feeling this way heading into the season, let alone what we saw week one against the giants. I think week one was just kind of a a confirmation of, of the fact that they are not the same team as they were last year, but it's still a team that will play most teams tightly because of how they try to, you know, bring the pace down of the game and lower the snap count uh, of teams by running the ball, running, running some clock out. Their defense still has some really nice pieces in, in Jeffrey Simmons and, um, you know, their safeties are, are really good. They, they can impact the game from that way. But with Tannehill, it just kind of feels like they're spinning their wheels a little bit right now. And, I wonder if it's just a matter of time until Malik Willis gets in there because he gives them su- something dynamic at the quarterback position that they just haven't had. Now, you would be sacrificing a lot of the efficiency in passing, but you would be adding this this kind of um, unknown piece to the puzzle of what this t- Titans offense could look like if they had a, a quarterback that has a, a bit of a, a higher ceiling than, than what they had, because if the efficiency with the running game just isn't there because the offensive line isn't, isn't operating well, or the, um, or the uh, obviously Derek Henry, if, if he has taken a bit of a step back, not a total step back, but a bit, then this, this completely changes their range of outcomes for the season. So you would almost want to, less so play it safe and and more so try and figure things out and what you could be with this this third round pick that you know has a lot of raw ability so th- those are just some things that kind of spring to mind when I think of Ryan Tanhill I just it it feels to me like 
late stage Tannehill in Miami. And, and I can't seem to get that out of my brain. Yeah. It occurs to me that we've seen a lot of Ryan Tannehill. Oh, so years. much. Uh, and so much. I got, I've got him pegged at, at this point for, for what, a, he, what is, he's like 34 years old. It's been right? a decade in the league. Right. I think 2012, he was with the, uh, the RG three Andrew Luck crew. Uh, yeah. And T- Tannehill, I think, or was he, he a year turned, later? I thought he, he turned was 30. Yeah. 2012. And he turned 34 in July. So all of those, uh, he always looked bad against the Bills. Another uh, example of that Dolphins-Bills matchup thing that has transcended regimes and quarterbacks and everything. He never looked all that good against the Bills either. Um, It doesn't feel like a guy that's going to beat you unless the running game is going and the play-action game can, you know, work off of that and you're having to stack the box against Derrick Henry which I don't know. Will the Bills do it? They love to play in that that nickel formation. Do they trust the the front four, the bigger bodies that they've added? This is going to be that game where where we can see some of what those guys bring to the table. And truthfully, even with the the Bills secondary a little bit, you know, shorthanded, I don't think that Tannehill is the type of guy, and I don't think his receivers are the type of receivers at this stage that should be causing major issues for the Bills secondary. So I think when the Titans have the football, it doesn't feel like the Bills defense has a tremendous amount to worry about outside of Derrick Henry and the running game and what they can get going. There will be potentially some throws that Tannehill hits, but I think another big difference in this game as opposed to the last two that the Bills and Titans have played over the last couple of years is that this game is in Orchard Park. And that is, you know, huge advantage to the Bills defense. They they play well at home and should be a advantageous matchup for them basically across the board. We'll see what what version of Derrick Henry's here. He's had a long long, you know, an extra day to to rest after that first game and strikes me as at this point in his career somebody who needs that. So we'll see, but yeah, it doesn't feel like the type of matchup on paper that Bills fans should be sweating uh, in terms of Buffalo's defense. So uh, we, we've we've spent a lot of time talking about the opposition out there. Um, I guess from a from a Bills perspective, what are some things that that we're kind of keeping an eye on here uh, in terms of how how it could look? Uh, what what we're interested to see? Uh, I think the one of the things that stands out most for me is how they um how they continue to use Stefan Diggs in this game and and if they'll be able to utilize him in the same way where they can kind of take kind of take that um almost like a a load management style <laughs> of of receiver play where he, and he's more so in like a defensive end sort of rotation to keep him fresh that's something i'm keeping an eye on and then how the offensive line does against this Titans good, not great defensive line. Simmons is awesome. Uh, the rest of the guys, Dupree's pretty good. Um, seems like he's he's going to be a little bit better than he was last year based on week one. But the rest of the guys are, you know, just okay. Um They've got they've got some guys who can who can flat like Autry is is uh, capable of some good reps here and again uh, off the edge, but I want to see how the Bills' offensive line responds because you know a few of those guys like Bates had a really bad day uh, against the Rams, um, Saffold I didn't love his first game, um, and I feel like that could have gone better, and uh, and certainly you have. Um, Spencer Brown on the edge and, and whenever he's whoever he's up against uh, those are the three guys I've kind of got my eyes on and then outside of all of that Tremaine Edmonds to me is the one that I think has the most to prove in this game I didn't uh, after going back and watching the, the film um, of the Rams game I did not think he did particularly well in terms of block shedding and this has been a story with him throughout his career 
they they keep saying, oh, he's getting better at it. He's getting better at it. But like the Ram, there were some plays where Rams offensive linemen were were driving him back, uh, and that is not what you want to see, especially when you've got a you know not a great Titans offensive line, but they're very well coached and they know what they're trying to accomplish from from play to play, and they are able to get to the second level to to cancel out a, a linebacker or a safety, and so. There were some plays that Giants linebackers made where they dipped under and and got themselves off of a block to be able to get in there and and thwart the rushing attempt from the Titans. And I need to see if if Edmonds can do that consistently. The, he is to me one of the keys to the game completely uh, for the Bills just to completely blow this one out or if it's going to be pretty close because if They've got some issues up front. Um, Ed Oliver has not practiced so far this week. Tim Settle has not practiced so far this week. They'll practice again on Saturday, but um, that's two defensive tackles that they might be down uh, and could affect their their rotation. So Edmonds, this is a this is a big one for him, I think, uh, going in this game. What what are you kind of keeping an eye on here? Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds. You can. Uh, I think we're beyond now the point where you can say well he's still 20 years old yeah. or whatever yeah you totally know. he's if what? he's still 20 years old <laughs> incredible it's one of those um those long-running jokes of you know oh he's still only because everybody always brings up the age but you just can't i don't think at this point you know he's 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 still only 37 right. years old <laughs> he's still a young man uh and, which he is uh, relatively yeah. speaking but in football years this is, yeah, the the type of spot. You know, Tremaine Edmonds is is a great linebacker to have for most teams with the way football is going. But there are certain games where you wonder, and this is one of them because of all the things that you mentioned. I do think that the how the offensive line holds up and how the Bills decide to play will be interesting in this game because the Titans did put a ton of pressure on on Daniel Jones last week that's Daniel Jones that's the Giants that's a, a different matchup for them but with this Bills offensive line we didn't see a lot because of how quickly Josh Allen got the ball out is that going to be a running theme wouldn't be a bad one uh considering how it worked and considering how sharp Josh Allen was in the short and intermediate passing game. But, you know, is that going to be the way that they combat these defensive lines that are trying to, you know, take advantage of mismatches on, on that offensive line, especially while the offensive line kind of comes together uh, and figures out how, how they work together as a unit. So another interesting test for Ken Dorsey as, you know, now there's some tape out there. I, I have... You know, I hold Mike Vrabel and, and the Titans coaching staff in pretty high regard, uh, even with, you know, they do have a ton of talent on their roster and have over the last few years, but it feels like they've outperformed it because as you go through the the roster, like you said, you don't, the matchups look like they favor the Bills more so now than ever because the Titans, uh, you know, have definitely taken a hit in some areas. But it just feels like Mike Vrabel's always been able to to get more out of these guys. Uh, you know, the the sum is greater than the parts, and so it's the defense of the Titans that I think can make this game interesting, potentially, because of Vrabel and because of you know Simmons up front and and the way they can put pressure on the quarterback and cause negative plays and, and you know disrupt some drives. They are a team that can. You know, unlike the Rams, who are this, you know, high flying type of team, you know, I don't want to call them finesse, but almost a little bit. Right. You know, you could. Yeah, they are. You could use that word. Yeah. Um, That's not the Titans. And those are the teams that caused the Bills some issues at times last year. So I think Sean McDermott is going to. He knows that, right? He knows the the words that got thrown around about his team last year, and they made some moves to address the de- the you know the run defense and being tougher along the front four. 
They've revamped the offensive line. I do think they want to be a team that can handle this type of team that wants to drag you into the mud and and make it an ugly game. And they're the type of team that can rise above that and blow a team like this out if things get rolling. But it'll be I'm just curious to see how they handle it from a from a plan perspective because mm-hmm. this this Titans defense can cause some negative plays with the way they get after the quarterback. Yeah, the one thing that um the Bills don't see a lot of throughout the year is you know multiple tight end formations all all that often and the titans they do it from time to time you know they they ran let's see the chiefs uh, like to do it these days yeah they sure do uh let's see 22 personnel the titans ran it the sixth most times six out of 60 plays last week um, only topped by the Chiefs, who did it, well, the Chiefs have done it nine times out of two games so far. Uh, the Ravens did it 12 out of 53 plays. The Vikings did it eight out of 61 plays. The Texans did it seven out of 68 plays. And the Raiders did it seven out of 56 plays. So the um, the Titans, one of the, the higher rates uh, in the league for six uh, two tight end sets in in a, in a given game. I wonder if they might try to bump that up a little bit, um, especially for this game, because the Bills would have to either go into it with Taron Johnson, like like you pointed out earlier in the podcast, or they would have to put in either Terrell Bernard or Tyrell Dodson, and those are a couple. That's a that's a big sub in sub out sort of deal here. Um, Taron Johnson coming out being your best cornerback on the field for an unproven linebacker, whether it's Dodson, who's been in their system for a few years now, or Bernard, a, a third round rookie. So that could be something that, th- that they try to force the Bills' hands on. Maybe, maybe it's a Saran Neal game uh, as a run stuffing nickel corner. I, I, I just wonder how much Vrabel is going to try and mimic what the Patriots did in that first showing um, between these two teams, because this is a different depth team. They don't have an AJ Klein on this roster anymore. So that, that could be something to keep an eye on. So you like the under on Tannehill pass attempts is what you're saying. It's going to be a a, a three attempt night for, for Ryan. (laughs) What is, uh, what is the over under on his pass attempts? I would love to know that. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, but the, I don't know. We, Last week, I, the under was yeah. was uh, a hot ticket for people out there that that listened uh, listened yeah. to the show. Let me let me see let me see if I can find. No, I can't. I can't seem to find it. I'm, uh, I'll keep looking. Um, but let's go to the uh, the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour because we we've we've talked quite a bit about both of these teams at this point. So. The Bills, at this point of taping, uh, are favored by nine and a half points. That's what the line opened up at. I saw it at one point yesterday at ten and a half, um, and it seems the uh, the money has started started to come in on the Titans a little bit more. Uh, the total is forty eight points. So Matthew Fairburn, since you uh, you you really crushed it last week as compared to me. Um, what, uh, who wins the game, who covers the spread and what do you have for the total? Yeah. I've seen this number move around a little bit. I thought I saw it at eight and a half at one point. Uh, really interesting, which I was looking at. I guess it depends where you look. Austin mocks, uh, table, um, on the athletic. He's got great projections. If you're uh, in the sports betting world, um, He's the type of guy that he, he crunches all the numbers on college football and on NFL. And I saw the latest, and it may not have been updated this morning, was eight and a half. And gives the Bills among the highest uh, percent chance to win uh, this week in his model. Um, so that's a, you know, a positive sign for Buffalo fans out there. Mm-hmm. But let's work off of the nine and a half. 
and we're going to work off of 48 or 48 and a half because I saw 48 and a half out there as well. I've got right now on DraftKings, I've got 48. All right. I'll, so, you know, coming into this year, I thought maybe I should just do away with predicting the games and have, you know, some other shtick that I do. But I couldn't come up with one last week. And so on the spot, <laughs> I rattled off uh, my thoughts. And now I feel like I'm obligated to try to keep it rolling. You know, a three for three was, I feel like was rare for me on, on previous iterations of this podcast. But I don't know, maybe it's the the time away and the, the different vantage point I have now has allowed me to see things a little bit more clearly. I say all this and I'm fully prepared to go 0 for 3 this week. Uh, but I've got the Bills again to win. Mm-hmm. I've got the Bills to cover the spread. And I've got the under. All three the same as last week. The reason I like the under is because I do think I don't have a ton of faith in the Titans offense to put up a ton of points the way they have in some of these matchups in the past. I mean, when we broke down that matchup, we're talking about the potential problems for the Bills or the Titans running the ball, which is going to bleed clock. It's going to they're going to try to slow the game down in some ways. And the way the Titans play defense could, you know, keep the Bills from clicking for four straight quarters. So 48 is an easier number to hit than last week's over under. Mm -hmm. But I still think it's a lit, it's a touch high. And so I like the under, which would mean a score of something like 27. Did I say 27 last week? I don't know that you gave a score last week. Maybe I didn't. So maybe I should refrain. I got to keep things the same. I'm keeping everything the same. I'm fully prepared to go 0-3 this week. Once again, do not advise anybody to put their hard-earned American currency on the line based on oh, is, on my words. Viewer discretion This is advised, part of the bit now. But, but that's I'm going Bills. Bills cover the spread and taking the under. And the under, apparently, on uh, Tannehill pass attempts. According, that's according to Joe. You can blame him for that one. <laughs> regardless well, I, of the I number st- i still couldn't find the line on uh on what his number of pass attempts uh could be but i do think that he he will um either hit or go over that number i don't know what the hell it is um so i'm not going to advise it either but uh i'm with you for the most part i think here um i think this matchup to me is a is a disparity uh, between these two sides that were close the last couple of years. Um, I just I don't see the same Titans team anymore, um, and it's not just because they lost to the Giants. It was little pieces of what they are on film where it's like, oh, that's something that the Bills could take advantage of. Like their left guard, Aaron Brewers, to me is someone that's that's susceptible to pressure up the middle of the field. Um, same thing with their right tackle. I think Von Miller could really have a nice game against their rookie uh, right tackle, Nicholas Petit Frere. Um, he and then Nate Davis at right guard is is a solid run blocker, but I don't know what he is as a pass a pass blocker at this point. I think there's a lot of opportunity there for for what the Bills are trying to do, uh, and then they just without AJ Brown, this whole thing is different. A.J. Brown, in his first week with the Eagles, obviously proved that the Titans just did not use him properly. <laughs> He's an all-world talent. He always has been. Um, and they, I think they were doing themselves a disservice not getting the ball in his hands more when they, when they actually had him. And to trade him, you know, just to trade him and not pay him, that, that's, I don't know, that's, that's a weird, weird decision. I but feel maybe like you they should were... disclose uh, that he is on your fantasy team, so... Well, he is, well this, he is. This is colored by uh, this is coloring your opinion of him. He is, but Traylon Burks is also on on yours. So that's true. Uh, and and I and I went uh, full on for for you know saying that he should get out there more. Um, Brown has, I mean, just 
just remember back to our podcast back when in AJ Brown's draft, the the dude, he just popped every single time you watch him. The yards after catch, the physicality, the speed, like he just had everything. He's strong. The, the, He's a strong. Yes, the, just fights through contact like crazy. He's like they, perfect they don't for have... the Titans too, because that's like what they are. He's he's a mean, strong, physical. Like the fact that he could bring that to the passing game was was very, very fitting of the entire team's persona and what they want to right. be. So it's 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 a much and different only... passing game without him. And he only turned twenty five. The fact that they wouldn't pay him what he wanted is just complete nonsense. The Eagles crushed that trade in my mind especially in in a draft where it was kind of a a down year for for high-end talent um so this is a completely different offense without him which is why i think they should get Traylon burks out there as much as possible because he ain't no he isn't aj brown let's let's just get that let's just get that established but he he is explosive enough to where they could do some things in their passing game if they put him out there. But it, this just goes like, I, I don't know why they made the trade, but maybe they had had the feeling that this would, this would be the beginning of where they had to shift into the next stage of what the Titans will be in the future. And they wanted to maximize what they could get for him. That's, that's the only justification I could, I could make for, for trading away someone as talented as that. Um, I, I just, I just don't see the teeth of this offense with Derrick Henry, his efficiency lacking, the offensive line becoming worse. Really sounds uh, like you're stalling. Se- the, the people want the pick. The people want the pick. You're stalling after, giving- a, after a tough, tough pick last week. You're going on AJ Brown rants. You're <laughs> you're you're really uh, you're spinning your wheels. You're, you've lost your uh, your trademark edge with with these picks. I'm not. I'm I'm giving justification for these picks, sir. Just because you lucked into a three and a week, oh, it was without advice, it was luck. <laughs> There's probably a lot of people out there who have, you know, that you bankrupt with your pick last week. So yeah, I'm sure of it. <laughs> no, if if anyone out there listening to this podcast, you're probably Bills fans. You you probably wanted to like light me on fire uh, after after that pick last week. So I won't stall anymore. I was just trying to give more more teeth to the pick, but uh, I'm taking the Bills to win. Obviously, I've been I've been talking that way the entire the entire podcast. I'm taking the Bills to cover, um, but I'm also gonna take a sneaky over pick here. Um, Forty eight, like you said, it's it's definitely a doable number. I think the Bills are gonna come out racing in in this one from from a passing perspective. Uh, I I don't know that the Titans have enough of a pass rush to to get to. Allen and I think they're going to be able to do enough things to to move the ball down the field early which is going to force things into like a a bit more of a passing game than the Titans may want but I also don't think that uh I I think the Bills will find a little bit more trouble with their secondary in trying to uh in trying to thwart this this passing attack a bit more than they did last week especially with the threat of the run the way that uh, the titans do so i'm taking the bills by a score of 32 to 18 barely an over weird score these two teams play weird games i'm into it so bills bills to win bills to cover take the over i still cannot find i don't think they have a over under on Tannehill's passing attempts would have be, you been looking this whole time? It would be a a risky bet because there could be some garbage time uh, for that, for Ryan That's what I mean. So he may end up, you know, Mike Vrabel might want to not let him throw, but I'm not sure that's going to be uh, necessarily an option for him. But I am tempted to advise the people out there that that have Traylon Burks to start him this week. If 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 you're like on a, on a toss up, even though he didn't play all that much last week, it just gives them something a little bit extra, and I think they might be passing a bunch this week. You may be uh, testing. You're testing people's faith out there. There's probably some people that are gonna say, you know what, I'm gonna go back, gonna go back to it. I'm gonna rely on Joe's body of work here and and hope. Well, that, fine. Don't that he don't don't start Traylon Burks. So you gotta have what, what? you gotta have the confidence. You gotta have it. You gotta you gotta be the. You gotta have a short memory in the picking game. It's like quarterback. Like, you got to be able to put your mistakes in the rear view and and put put your foot on the gas. So I like it. I'm starting Traylon Burks now. 
<laughs> you you are? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. You're playing me. You, so wouldn't might you as well. like to know? <laughs> I'm not gonna reveal my game plan. <laughs> That's fair. I, I uh, just just uh, keep it locked and loaded. Well, you, you have to reveal it at some point because they play on Monday. That's right. Yeah, I will anyway. have to show my hand. <laughs> we used to have this setting where the the lineups were were locked, uh, and the the opponent couldn't see them until the games kicked off. So you were just kind of in mystery. What what would happen? I I got rid of that. It was a little too dramatic. For, from from for my taste but yeah fun fun no less um so we will see who uh who wins the battle of the over and under because Fairburn and I are both on on the uh bills winning and bills covering side of things all right Matthew Fairburn I already asked you for advice I'm not going to ask you again but have uh you've got Sabres um the Sabres prospect um the Sabres prospect week this week and then it's leading up to uh leading up to the t- the prospect tournament games pretty fun weekend yeah sports are back in buffalo the bills home opener there's hockey things happening it's uh it's the prime month in buffalo the, the best weather all the sports starting energy optimism all those things obviously the optimism here will extend a bit a bit longer for the bills um but mm-hmm. it's a it's a fun time of year to be in this area um with everything going on and this weekend should be should be a good one uh people once again get a chance to sit back on Sundays and watch games and watch the other teams uh trip over themselves as uh you know the bills get ready to play on Monday night so this should be this should be quite the weekend that it will um, the weather turning pretty excellent. Walked outside with, uh, Fritz, the dog today and, uh, asked, uh, or looked on my phone, what, what, what it was outside 46 degrees. I'm like, Ooh, fall is here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. This is, uh, this is good, uh, good weather. Um, with some of the best weather IMO. It's perfect. Especially mm-hmm. at- the hockey rink is exceptionally cold. Harbor Center is oh, is exceptionally yes. cold compared to uh, KeyBank Center. And it's nice to be able to dress the same when I walk outside as when I, uh, so that I don't look like a crazy person, you know, bundled up uh, to go to the rink when it's 70 something degrees outside. So I'm, I'm liking the weather change, although sometimes it turns a little too fast around here. So yeah, hopefully we true. can stay in this sweet spot. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Matthew Fairburn, thank you very much. Um, the Bills will be up against the Titans on Monday Night Football, and uh, after that game is when we will speak with all of you next. So thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. If you haven't yet, head over to theathletic.com slash Beat and get yourself a discount on a yearly subscription. Uh, and by all means, read everything uh and you'll be able to read everything that that i do covering the bills that tim graham does covering the bills uh, and and all of buffalo that you know matthew fairburn does uh in doing a, a great job in his first year covering the sabers and and really any other team you would want to read about uh, across the nfl nhl any league really whatever you want so theathletic.com slash the buffalo beat so for matthew fairburn my name is joe Pascali. thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the buffalo beat and we will talk to you after the game see you then